open. Oh, there it is. Here we go on Sweet 16 Sunday in Las Vegas. Just after 8 o'clock, I'm Brian Feldman, and this is Out of Line. We are here live, same time every week on Fox Sports Radio, 98.9 FM and 1340 AM, flagship of the Vegas Golden Knights. We are live right now uh, from Kickers Gaming and Sports Bar, just down the road from Cashman Center. The address is 931 North Las Vegas Boulevard. Kickers will be our home for a while because due to COVID-19 protocol, all live shows have been booted from the Fox Sports Residential Bank Corp. studio. And... Um, We've been told that is until further notice. So if you're up in mobile, come on down and join us. We'll hook you up with some free donuts and orange juice. And Kickers is offering mimosa and Bloody Mary specials during the show. Joining me on the show is longtime intern and social media director, Spencer The Wiz. Nobody beats the Wiz. Nobody beats the Wiz. Okay. He is the only intern in the world with his own theme music. The Wiz also now has his own sports talk show, Delivering Sports, Friday nights at 7 on KSHP, which is 1400 AM on your radio dial. Check it out. It's good stuff, man. Also part of the show and social distancing back in the Fox Sports Residential Bank Corp studio, producer and future WWE star, Dino Demon, known around Lotus Broadcasting as Demon Cotton. Uh, the show is also streaming on the LV Sports Network. And you can watch the show on Facebook Live. The page is called Out of Line. That's O-U-T-T-A-L-I-N-E. You can also follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at Out of Line Fox LV. That's at Out of Line Fox LV. Um, and since we are live, your calls and questions are welcome. The Fox Sports Residential Bank Corp studio line is 876-1340. Uh, and of course, that starts with... 702. So make sure you give us a call. Check that out. And uh, we'd love to hear from you today. Uh, really cool show. And um, Spencer, I guess it is time for What's on Tap. Hi, this is Bubby, and it's time for What's on Tap. What's on Tap is brought to you by title sponsor, uh, Residential Bay Corp. Whether purchasing a new home or refinancing the home you already own, Residential Bay Corp is the company to turn to for all your home financing needs. Residential Bay Corp, funding America one neighbor at a time. On tap today, the Vegas Golden Knights get a big win in overtime to stay on top of the NHL's Western Division yesterday. The running Rebels have their new head coach. He has a UNLV pedigree and a very recognizable last name. And... He will be here to join us live in just a little while. March Madness is down to 12 teams with four games today to decide the final teams that will reach the Elite Eight. And again, if you are awake and want, us, want some free donuts and orange juice, come on down to Kickers Gaming and Sports Bar right now. We are here at 931 North Las Vegas Boulevard, just down the road from Cashman Center and the infamous Neon Graveyard. That's what's on tap if you are looking to buy a home or to refinance the home you currently own. Choose a company you can trust, Residential Bank Corp., Funding America, one neighborhood at a time. And just real quickly, Spencer, a little bit about Kickers. Um, this place is amazing, guys. you got to come down here. They uh, they just have everything going on. For uh, all the Vegas Golden Knights games, they have the uh, the NFL pa- the NHL package, I should say. And, of course, during Vegas Golden Knights games, they are doing a $2 shot. And every time the Knights, the Vegas Golden Knights score a goal, you are going to get a free shot. And some of these games, man, five, six goals. You get drunk without spending a time. Just make sure you hook up the, the bartending and wait staff. Take care of them. Seriously, man, seven TVs, TVs, all the big all games. The Sunday ticket during the NFL season. The sound is on. Green Bay Packers and during the NFL season. They're giving away Packers jerseys, memorabilia. It's really cool. Um, and they just got all kinds of on. Plus, they have a full-service traveling license, which means they have the ability – to sell, sell the beer, beer that you can take home and drink, 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 drink at the bar. Uh, great place to watch all the games. Uh, they've got a 15 gaming machine as well. Uh, they're up to 15 capacity. And as soon as everything gets, uh, the world gets its, uh, you know what, together, uh, this place will be rocking and rolling. It is a really great, very cool standalone bar in downtown Las Vegas. There are very few of those, and you really enjoy this. See the greater artwork behind us if you're watching us on, uh, on Facebook or, uh, or um, YouTube. And this place is really, really cool. Spencer, let's get right into things, man. Nightcap, man. Let's go with this. 
Hockey players, as you know, are warriors. They don't give up. They come to play every game. It's time for Nightcap, a cup full of the Vegas Golden Knights. From highlights to interviews to special events, the puck starts here. Does start here and um, Sunday morning. What a big game! The Knights twenty three eight and one now on the season, seven and three in their last ten, but they're two and two in their last four games. A little bit of a stumbling block, but yesterday could not have been a better game or a better outcome. They end up winning in overtime. This team has lost one game in overtime all season, and Max Pacioretty gets the game winner. It is his fourth overtime game winner of the season, Spencer, which leads the NHL. I know you and Patches uh, have this thing. I shouldn't say he has one with you, but you definitely have one with him. And, um, you know, Spencer, the guy puts the puck in the net. He might take more shots on goal than anyone, and his goal per shot percentage might not be great. But when you lead the NHL in overtime goals, that's a hell of a stat. Well, I'll tell you, there's only one thing wrong with that. Well, technically, there's nothing wrong with it at all. But when you go to playoff hockey, it's not three on three. He clearly benefits quite a bit from having more space on the ice. And I know I always find something bad to say about him. And, you know, I mean, that's kind of a small thing. But, of course, the Knights have had a, a lot of troubles in overtime in the playoffs here in history. And Max Pacioretty, especially last year, was nowhere to be found during any of those events at all. So just because he's good on three-on-three hockey, which I love, by the way, I think hockey has innovated itself really well uh, in doing so. But the Gold Knights have a long way to go. They have to worry more about the Avalanche come playoff time, too, because everyone's talking about how they're the favorites to win the Stanley Cup. Well, they seem to have a good handle on the Vegas Golden Knights. They're a lot faster than the team, and that hurts them quite a bit. Uh, moving forward, you know, it, one game is great. Three points, you know you're happy about it. Uh, but the long-term plans for this uh, Knights team should be to focus on them before they even look further ahead. Well, you They know, are they in are probably the easiest division in the NHL. You talk about it all the time. The Western Division this year is that are broken up to four divisions. Um, really is. But the Avalanche, the Minnesota Wild, neither one of those teams are a joke. They can both play hockey. The St. Louis Blues are only one year removed from being Stanley Cup champions themselves, not playing real well, but they are a formidable foe. But you're right, the Avalanche and the Golden Knights, last night the winner of that game yesterday was going to be in first place. The Knights held on to it in dramatic fashion. And Spencer, I'm telling you what, yes, the Avalanche are a very fast team. If you don't know the name Nate McKinnon, Pay attention to that name because this guy is one of the fastest guys in the National Hockey League. I was watching the game yesterday at um, a really cool establishment. I went to a media of a Vegas Golden Knights viewing party. I was there with Ron Futel, Futrell of uh, Channel 8 and Brian Shapiro, who, of course, does the Vegas take on another radio station down the dial. And um, talking a lot about this team. They are extremely dynamic. We were talking about Nate McKinnon in particular of the, the Colorado Avalanche. And, I mean, if you play lake hockey, I think every player in the NHL would just sit out and let this guy skate. He is that fast. All he has to do is get one half a step on you, and he's going to be by you. He is on his way to being that upper echelon player along the Connor McDavid's, the Austin Matthews. He is that good of a player, and I see an unbelievable future for this kid. He is somebody you have to contain, and you're going to have to keep an eye on at all times. But the Knights have players that can do that in an Alec Petrangelo, in a um, Nate uh, Shea Theodore. They have the team that can play with Colorado. Grubauer, also a tremendous goaltender. But I like the Knights in a series against the Avalanche. I still think they can do, put it this way, it's, it's six of one or half dozen to the other. But, you know, with Patches, you're talking about, you know, other players. He also had an assist again yesterday. Two of the three goals he was a part of. Max Pacioretty is a big part of this team. Into his 30s now, and I really think, plus, he's an elder statesman that really gets things done. And then you look at the other guys. I said yesterday, you know, in, in the in the four years now, this team has been in existence. Mark Stone is the best acquisition this team has made. I mean, that guy is so good. What a fitting player, you know, to wear the first C for the Vegas Golden Knights and be the captain. He is truly a remarkable player and probably one of the least talked about superstars in the National Hockey League. And that's why I'd love to see the Golden Knights get over the hump, get to the finals again, and win it this year. Because then people will finally give Mark Stone his just dessert. Because this guy is really one of the most valuable players in the National Hockey League. He's always in the mix. He's always causing problems. And as we saw about a week ago, he can fight too. Oh, without a doubt. And uh, he has become the leader of this team. When he came here, ever, he didn't have a captain, obviously, but he's really taken on that role. And even he hasn't even been there that long, where I guess nobody really has on the team. So it's kind of hard to say in that front. 
But I, I think the big story with the Golden Knights right now, at least to me, is that second line of William Carlson and Jonathan Marshall just honestly not getting it done. Those were the mainstays of the franchise. There's the one who lifted it all off. But as the seasons go on, especially Jonathan Marshall, so who I think really has to go, he has a similar shooting percentages as Max Pacioretty, which you know I criticize all the time, but he does not have the goals at all, uh, which is a real issue. They're, they're going to need them to – I don't know what it is. I don't know. I mean, William Carlson, I think, uh, less than Jonathan because we know Carlson's always going to be there to kind of have those tough plays and really get into the grit and grind of it of the hockey game. I don't know what really Marshall Show is even doing for the team at this point anymore. And he keeps getting these second line minutes when maybe some other guy should be getting a little bit more of an opportunity. If you're not productive, it's time for you maybe to either go somewhere or not. I know you laugh at me because I have such short leashes on everybody, but come on. I mean, we're trying to win a Stanley Cup here, not trying to like manage feelings around. I enjoy your perspective. I like how you kind of switch from Pacioretty is now the arch nemesis to Jonathan Marcheseau, who is a small, a small guy who gets the job done. He's a gritty player, but I understand his productivity from year one has slowly declined, and he's still young enough. He's got years left in the league. Maybe there is some trade value in him. Uh, talking about William Carlson, you know, this guy is one of the staples. When you think of the cornerstones of the Vegas Golden Knights franchise since day one, Carlson in that magical first season he had really is a guy that is a fan favorite. You see tons of his jerseys, and I think it would be a huge mistake to let him go. He is a puck hawk, and he's always around the puck, and he puts a, he's a guy that puts quality shots on the net when he gets in front of it, and I really like him a lot. Riley Smith and him have a tremendous chemistry between the two of them, and I think those two will be together. And then, of course, Marc-Andre Fleury would be the other cornerstone that really from day one helped cement this team. And the one guy, and I talked about um, Shea Theodore yesterday, I was talking with Ron Fitrell and uh, Brian Shapiro about him. And I interviewed him his first year when he first came up when, you know, because he got cut, not really cut, but he got demoted down to Chicago. He didn't make the initial roster the first season. And I talked to him when he first came up and I interviewed him and I said, you know, I was kind of surprised because that was maybe my biggest surprise of a guy not making the initial roster was Shea Theodore. Now I had no idea how good he would turn out to be and he would become an upper echelon defenseman in the National Hockey League and an, an, a two-way player from the defensive side. But what I said to him was, I said, you know, I was surprised that you went down and, you know, what are your plans? He goes, here's the deal. I will never go back down again. And he is a quiet, soft-spoken guy, and that's a little bit out of character for him, but he, you saw the determination in his eyes. Boy, I had no idea that not only wouldn't he go down again, but he's an all-star. I mean, he, you know, if they, if, if they have an all-star, I can't imagine him not being an all-star when they have the next all-star game. Shea Theodore has been the biggest surprise next to another guy that I think is right there with him, although I think there was more expected out of Alex Tuck. So the fact that he is now producing at the level he's producing, I think that was always expected. Um, last year he was injured. The productivity dropped off, and a lot of people started questioning, you know, is he as good as we thought he was? This guy has tremendous hands, and in the hockey terminology, tremendous hands means you control the puck very well, and you can pretty much place it wherever you want when it comes to shooting the puck towards the net. Uh, Alex Tuck has that ability. Plus, he's a big guy, about 6'2", and um, he is such a productive player, and he's so good in the offensive zone of getting to the puck behind the net, uh, throwing it out front, and obviously putting the biscuit in the basket. I love this Vegas Golden Knights team. There are some really good teams. You've got the Boston Bruins who are really on a mission. They're all getting old. This is really their last run to a Stanley Cup. you got to watch out for them. Of course, Tampa Bay, the reigning Stanley Cup champions, are playing as good a hockey as they played last year. They're going to be a tough out. Washington is right in the mix again. And then you've got those other two teams that I talked about, Edmonton and Toronto. And I didn't talk about the teams. I talked about the stars on those teams in Austin Matthews with the Maple Leafs and, of course, Connor McDavid with the Edmonton Oilers, two of the greatest players I've ever seen play the game. And they're kind of the new wave of players. They play two ways. And, I mean, some of the things that both those players do – are just magical and you have to be beyond elite to make some of the plays that they make. They are just, they're, they're very seldom kept out of the scoring, out of the box score, uh, so to speak in hockey. They are that good. But again, I put Mark Stone uh, uh, one notch below those guys as far as how good he is. And he might even be more valuable to this team because of a leader that he is. And he is also a physical player. And usually when you have superstars, you know, Wayne Gretzky of old, and again, McDavid and Matthews, they're not physical players. They're guys that are really finesse players that have all kinds of skills. 
Mark Stone literally covers the gamut. He plays the point shorthanded. You know, he plays, he'll be able to go back and he'll be the second defenseman when they're shorthanded. He plays on all the special teams. He is a guy that gets it all done. And like I said, you know, that's my next jersey. I said I have two jerseys right now. I have a gray William Carlson jersey. I have a white Mark Andre Fleury jersey with the inaugural season patch on it. I want a red Mark Stone jersey with the C on it. I love the red jersey. That will be my next purchase. But the Knights are for real. And this. Put it this way, nobody, and you know this, Spencer, nobody wants to see them in the postseason. These guys play really well together, and when Marc-Andre Fleury starts standing on his head, which he has been known to do, the ageless Marc-Andre Fleury, pretty soon they're going to start you know, talking about him like Tom Brady. I mean, the guy just gets older and doesn't seem to diminish in skills, and that's pretty incredible. But this team can go a long way. And next week, I'm really looking forward to We're going to have one of the broadcast members, former player Mike McKinnon, is going to be on with us, and he'll really give us some good insight on the Golden Knights. So I'm looking really forward to that next week. And um, like I said, the, the, the Knights now, they've got uh, four straight games at T-Mobile Arena. Tomorrow and Wednesday, they got the L.A. Kings coming to town. And they own the L.A., the California teams they own this year. And I love to see it because I hate them. So I love seeing that. And then the Minnesota Wild, Thursday and Saturday, um, all four winnable games that could keep them in front in the Western Division. And I really think you want to finish first in the Western Division, even though a lot of stadiums don't have any fans and like T-Mobile now getting 2,000 fans in there. There's the comfort of playing at home and being at home. And I would like to see the Knights have home ice as long as they can because this year the playoffs, I don't think they're going to be played in a bubble. They're going to be played normally. So really, really cool going forward, and I'm excited to talk about them more. Uh, something else I'm obviously excited to talk about is March Madness, man. Spencer, I'm horse for March Madness. I'm also horse from a Lions argument I had the other day. We're not going to get into that on this show. Maybe when I have Ron Futrell on the show in a couple weeks, we'll talk more about that because him and I were, were talking a little bit about that yesterday. It's amazing. As he, The guy's got a great sports mind. Ron Futrell's been a, a sportscaster in Las Vegas since 84. He was up in Seattle, Washington before this. This guy knows sports. It's incredible his mind. Everybody I brought up, he knew of. And I, I'm like, wow, man, someone matching wits with me. But this guy's really good. And um, he did not realize that the Detroit Lions had only won one playoff game in the soup, since the Super Bowl. In 55 years of Super Bowls, he did not realize the Detroit Lions had only won one playoff game. So everyone out there, again, I'm not going to have this discussion today, but I don't want to hear anybody whine about their team and how bad they are. Don't compare them to the Lions. Keep it in perspective again. The Detroit Lions have won one playoff game since the Super Bowl has been in existence. They are the most inept sports franchise in all the sports in the world. Find me one that's been around longer, that has been more inept, and we'll have this conversation. But Dolphin fans, Brown fans, Jets fans, please, all you guys have won. The Browns this year won one playoff game. That matched what the Lions have done in Super Bowl era, and the Browns have played in four AFC championship games in their history. So again, don't have this conversation with me. ESPN, it's time you did a 30-30 on the Detroit Lions since William Clay Ford and the Ford family has owned that team. Of course, William Clay Ford seniors passed away a few years ago, but this is a horrible sports franchise, and they're getting worse. They get they give their quarterback to the L.A. Rams, and a top-five receiver – the best player on their team, Kenny Galladay, is now a New York Giant. This team just, I don't know, they're a dumpster fire. I'm done talking about them. Let's get to March Madness, Spencer. Um, wow, and I, I could pull out my ticket right now. I took Oral Roberts on the money line, an 11-and-a-half-point dog, plus 500, and my God in heaven, Arkansas, all three games. Matter of fact, five games, if you go back to the regular season, the last couple games in the conference tournament they played in, they have won. The last five victories have all come when they have been losing by double digits, and they come back and win. Again, they were down in the second half to uh, Oral Roberts yesterday. A really fun team to watch. I mean, really, really cool story, this Oral Roberts team. But they come back and win again. And um, Eric Musselman, man, the guy up, up in Nevada, Reno, he can flat-out coach, he can flat-out recruit, and now Eric Musselton finds himself going from Nevada where they kind of disappointed the last couple of years. They expected to do more in the tournament to Arkansas where he's got this team on the brink of a Final Four. Um, but how disappointing for Oral Roberts. And they did get the last shot. Yeah, the leading scorer in the country, put chuck it up with no time. And he just he just it wasn't on yesterday. Even though he still scored, I think led the team in scoring, I think he had 22 points, he just wasn't on yesterday, and that really hurt him. Uh, no, without a out. And uh, I think one of the greatest downfalls uh, of Arkansas defense is uh, they really forced that ball into Moody quite a bit, uh, and uh, like to a 
a deficit. He turned the ball over a lot. He was missing a little bit of the, a lot of those hook shots. And but you know that's what for some reason they rally behind it. It almost feels like Jameis Winston when he throws a couple of interceptions. He finally gets warmed up to the game and he finally you know ends up playing pretty well. Now, but that was one of the more entertaining games. And if you have two seconds, you have to go full court. I'm not sure you can ask for a better shot than that. Well, Three point one seconds, but yeah, you you know you to go the right. full length and to actually get us. He dribbled and got a spot up shot there at the corner wing. Uh, but he didn't go in, and that. But they had a great run, and they just didn't have enough inside. I think. I mean, that had a possession where I think they gave up five offensive rebounds in a row. We were talking about before the show, and that kind of stuff is just going to lose you basketball games, especially when these kids are playing as hard as they possibly can. Not to say that Oral Roberts wasn't, but you know, an impressive run, something to build upon for that for that uh, school, and I think it'll only get better from here. I mean, they had one of the best offenses in the country, and I don't think that's going to go away anytime soon either. Well, you know, I mean, that's this was an absolute anomaly this year for that school. And um, it was pretty incredible uh, what he did uh, for all Roberts this year to lead the nation in scoring. He did have 25 points, but he was off. And, of course, Kevin O'Banner, I loved how humble his his humility throughout the play throughout the play where he just sat up there and said, this is what we expect to do. And how could you expect to do that? They were in the middle of the road in their conference. They had to win their tournament just to get in. And to be the second 15 seed to get to the Sweet 16 was really cool. I wanted them to be the first to get to the Elite Eight. I think we all did. But again, uh, O'Banner, another double-double yesterday. Not as productive in the point. They had 12 points, but another 11 boards. But really what killed this team, Spencer, with about four minutes to get, to go in the game, uh, Arkansas got five offensive rebounds in a row, and then they finally scored to make it a three-point game. And I knew at that point they were so active on the glass at the end of the game. And again, Oral Roberts just wasn't shooting the ball the way that they normally did. And very, very tough for all of us to watch that because you know as much as I'm happy for Eric Musselman going and having the success he's had at Arkansas you know in just two seasons um it was so cool to see um Oral Roberts do what they did and I kind of was hoping for that Baylor Oral Roberts matchup because you would have Drew you know the the coach and his mentor and that would have been really cool as well but hey you know the cream always rises to the top you're seeing the best teams you got one real Cinderella left in Oregon State amazing the run that they have and really what's amazing is the Pac-12 they they have been the the, the the stepsister of the Power Five conferences for a few years. Nobody gave them any credit, and yet they have proved to be the best conference in the tournament so far, with the Big Ten probably being the most disappointing conference. And they're relying on Michigan so they can have a team in the fight in, in the Elite Eight. And uh, we'll see what Michigan can do today. That's not going to be an easy game against Florida State. Florida State can play basketball, and without Isaiah Livers, Michigan is is uh, hampered. And um, it's going to be a tough run. I th- still think Michigan will get by him. But I, I think it's going to be a very close game. And I think we've got our guest on the line right now. So I'm not going to keep him on hold anymore because this poor guy has been doing so many interviews, has been so much over the last week. And as a matter of fact, you can see him on the front page of the sports section today. And uh, really cool. Uh, Kevin, we're going to welcome in Kevin Kruger, the new UNLV Running Rebels head coach. Kevin, welcome to Out of Line. We appreciate having you. No, thanks for having me. You know, I got to ask you, um, we only had been off the air for a few hours last Sunday when I heard uh, the rumors that you would be offered the position. When did you find out that you were on the short list for the job, or did it come as a surprise? You know, the, the discussion of, you know, lists and process and, and, and all that it just wasn't really ever discuss, uh, discussed. Uh, just really excited to kind of be in the mix and uh, continue the conversations going forward and um, you know, with all the all the cliches you can throw at it in the world about, you know, just putting your head down and going forward, it's kind of the approach that we had. And, uh, you know, didn't worry about anything else, didn't didn't uh, talk about anything else. As you know, uh, with Desiree, she's uh, uh, she keeps things close to the vest and, and she keeps her process and what she believes in. And um, so I was just excited every time I got to talk to somebody and, and, and go forward. Um, it, it all happened so fast. And, you know, last week we're talking on the show after TJ uh, obviously accepted the job at Iowa State. And we're like, you know, we were running down coaches and, you know, kind of playing with odds of who would get the job and who would be offered the job. And, Kevin, I got to be honest, I didn't even have you on that list. So I'm excited for you. I am. But when you left your dad's staff in Oklahoma to come to UNLV, um, were, were there aspirations of possibly being the head coach here one day? Because let's be honest, based on where the program is at today, leaving Oklahoma Oklahoma to come to Las Vegas in basically the same role would appear to be a step backwards. Uh, yeah, but, but UNLV to me is, is the, the pinnacle 
um, the, you know, the, the, the place in my heart that UNLV has from time in Vegas and time as a running rebel, uh, it, it wasn't a step back to me and it wasn't a step back for the family. Um, you know, always having a house here and, and kind of making this home base, uh, when I was playing abroad or playing professionally, uh, I really felt just kind of personally that, that leaving my dad's staff, was really a step in the right direction. Learn from a, a different coach and uh, be able to kind of broaden your horizons, if you will, and and have somebody else hopefully vouching for you like TJ uh, instead of your dad. Uh, I, th I think the longer you get away from your playing days is actually more beneficial because um, it just kind of adds a person that can, that can take a phone call and, and support you. Did TJ discuss with you guys, meaning his assistant coaches, that he was being courted by Iowa State, or did you find out like the rest of us? Um, no, I mean TJ did a good job of, of always kind of keeping us in the loop and 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 discussing things and and verifying uh, what was what was fact and what was fiction. And uh, you know TJ is a pretty blunt guy, and he can tell you. So uh, no, I, I never felt that we that we were out of the loop or, or TJ was hiding anything. Honest. typically you don't see an assistant coach on a team that has limited success at best and from year one to year two took a step backward get elevated to the head coaching position especially with no head coaching experience why do you think keith whitfield and desiree reed francois chose you well i think in the past couple of years uh you know since tj got here there, there there was a plan and a vision that tj and our staff had and there's a lot of good things that we've done in the two years and the wins may not have, have come on the court as at the rate that we liked, but um, there's still a lot of good that we can build on and a lot of things that we can keep consistent going forward. And, and so there, there's going to be a lot taken from the last two years to, to continue to build on the, on our, the culture that we've established and, and the process and the progress that we've made. That you are officially the man in charge. What's your first priority? Um, continue talking to the guys. I think, uh, you know, in, the, in this day and age with the portal and, and it's, you know, really kind of the, it, the size and the importance of it in college basketball, uh, just continuing to talk to them because we want them to be happy. And uh, there, there's really nothing that's off limits in our conversations. And, you know, if they, if they want to see what's out there for them, you know, we support it because we do feel that, that we, we have to let them know that, you know, this is a good fit for you. Or we have to be honest with them and say, you know, we might not see it the same way you do. And uh, and as I mentioned, there's no reason to get bent out of shape about it. Um, I think as the portal continues to grow and as its importance in college basketball and recruiting you know, continues to grow, I think you're going to see a lot of kids, I think, go back um, to the school that they, that they were at. Um, maybe just a little whether they didn't have the year they wanted to have or they're down on their confidence or, or whatever it may be, just kind of a little bit more of a reassurance. So I, I would imagine as the portal numbers continue to grow, so will the numbers of guys that are returning to their, their former school. And, and, if it, and as coaches, and as we've got to you know, adapt and be okay with it. You know, they're, they're probably three, four, five years ago, there's a little more of a, you know, well, you know, forget him. He wants to see, you know, what's out there and see what's best for him. And I, and I don't think we can have that approach going forward. I think it needs to be one of, uh, you know, that's fair. You know, that's fair because it, 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 in what world, in what line of work don't people do that where they see what's best for them and they see what's best for their, uh, you know, their career and their vision going forward. So, um, and yeah, we, we, we're going to take it as a staff that we got to prove to the guys that they, they should be here. And, uh, no, and of, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, no. I, I was just going to say, it's, you know, along those lines, I've always said that I have this statement that, you know, always check it out. The grass is always green. It is always greener on the other side of the fence. And I say the reason being is when you jump over, it's astroturf. It's not real. And that's why it's greener. So aligned for you. But, you know, so you have had a chance to talk with the current players in the roster, you know, about their intentions going forward. I mean, when TJ took over, some pretty significant contributors like Shakur Justin and Joel and Tom, Joel and Tomway transferred. I know one name UNLV fans and the media alike are curious about, and that's Bryce Hamilton. Have you had a chance to sit down with Bryce and talk to him and, uh, and see what his intentions are? Yeah. And just like everybody, you know, and Bryce, you know, we've, we've talked to everybody. We, and that's one thing that we've been able to do in the last couple of years is, is form and develop these relationships. And if, 
Bryce, uh, if he feels that he wants to see, you know, if there's a better situation, then then we support him with that. Um, we, we, we don't want anybody to be here that doesn't want to be here and doesn't feel that we can get it done. And, uh, and but at the same time, of course, you know, Bryce is uh, somebody incredibly talented and, and a great guy, great kid. And uh, so, yeah, it, it's on us to kind of talk to him and, and, and really see what's best for him because we want every everybody's got to be happy. Um, and that's not to say every day is going to be, you know, rainbows, but, you know, everybody's got to be happy so that they can really fulfill everything that they want out of the college basketball experience. Understandable. Switching gears for a minute. Did you know your dad was going to be retiring as head coach at Oklahoma this year before uh, before he announced it after the uh, the Gonzaga game? Just as surprised as you. Just <laughs> really? As surprised as you. No, I mean, we, pretty cool. we talked. I mean, we 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 talk. We've talked probably almost every day for the last. I don't know how long since I left for college. So, uh, but yeah. Hey, we got me and Cammy here. Hey, Cammy. We uh, we just got the phone with uh, President Whitfield and Desiree, and they've asked us to stick around, be the next head coach. Yeah. So uh congratulations. <laughs> she looks thrilled about it. Yeah, she's uh I'm not sure. She's yeah, she's been good. <laughs> wow, that is great, great news. Yeah. You're ready to do this. Congratulations to you and Al and uh everyone. Fantastic. That is that is super exciting. Yeah, I mean enjoy your film and your prep for Gonzaga. So uh <laughs> Yeah, that the uh, film uh, even though it's Gonzaga, the film will be a little Oh uh, yeah. So yeah, that is great. That is great. <laughs> nope. So we're uh yeah, we're excited. Ready to get going. Alright. All right. That's good. We'll call us uh call us back after uh, you know, later tonight. Let us know what's going on. Alright, we will do. Say, right. say bye Kimmy. Bye bye. Bye. Alright. Hey, Kevin, I absolutely love that. And you know what's funny is I, I was I was gonna tell you before, and if I drop my headphones and I run and Spencer takes over, my daughter is going to be giving birth any moment now. I'm about to have my first grandchild and I am wow. uh, Yeah, I'm so ecstatic. Well, I told congratulations. Her, Thank you so much. I appreciate it. And I, I told her, can you just wait to you? I was really looking forward to interviewing our new coach. Can you just wait for the water to break till nine o'clock in the morning? So like I said, if I get a call, my phone's sitting right here, I'm waiting. But, you know, even though it's been highly speculated throughout the week, you have said in a few interviews, they have not spoken with your dad about having a role as a coach or an advisor on this team. It's been a week. Have you had a conversation with him about yet about, and, and if not, do you plan to? I mean, assuming, you know, my dad, uh, you know, he's always going to help in any way he can for anybody that he can. And uh, he's always been my dad and he's always helped me with everything. You know, my college career, my professional career, uh, you know, my personal life, whatever it may be. You know, he's always been there for me. And and so just like him or or anybody that anybody on staff knows that has a a basketball mind and and a resume and pedigree like him, we'll we'll welcome, you know, discussion all day. But, uh, you know, as for a, a specific role, you no, know, he's retired. <laughs> you know, he, he's going to be retired. He's coming out here to be retired and, uh, you know, and spend more time with my mom and my, my daughter. And, but, uh, you know, you know, the old saying, a coach is a coach. And so I'm, I'm sure he'll, I will absolutely pick his brain on things and, uh, even if it's not as much of the X's and O's, because our staff is going to have our vision and plan, uh, it, it might be other things. You know, uh, just you know, a lot of what would you do? What would you have done, or what would you do differently? You know, things that that can help kind of navigate some of those maybe early speed bumps that that we're going to hit. No, I, I love hearing that, and I and I totally respect that. My father is still a practicing physician. He's turning eighty three in May in Detroit. He got COVID nineteen. He got COVID in uh, April. Recovered and went back to work as a doctor because he said when he retires he dies. So I'm like, well, Dad, they work forever. So I get it. And coaches are very similar, man. It is part of their DNA. And your dad, especially a a highly successful coach, and I know your mind. You've always had that mind as a coach. We saw it here when you were our point guard and took the team to the Sweet Sixteen in your only season with UNLV. So it's. I'm not surprised at all that this is the road you followed and have gone down. And I we wish you the most success. If you Thank could you. sum it up in a sentence or two, what is Kevin Kruger's f- coaching philosophy? 
just I don't know to get wins or die trying. I guess uh, <laughs> you know, we we want to play hard. We want to play hard. We want to have fun, though. I mean, I, I think a, a coach a long time told me, and sorry, this is way more than two sentences, but that every level you go up in life with basketball, it can tend to get less fun. And you know, we don't want it to be that way. We want it to be fun, happy. Uh, everybody, you know, be able to kind of implement their vision and their plan and and how they see the college experience going and that's i think we've done so far in this first week that's been our mentality and that's why we're okay to having discussions with the guys about being in the portal because there's just no reason for for somebody not to be excited to get into the gym and excited to come around the offices or 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 go to the elementary school with the with the young kids in las vegas and and interact with them and and show them that you know, being a running rebel is really can be one of the highlights of your of your life and your career because that's what it was for me, and so that that's that's first and foremost what our staff's going to do. We're going to want to just be here for the guys and put them in position and create an atmosphere that that they want to be a part of, they want to come back to, and, and that they they have a lot of pride. Uh, you know, being a running rebel and, and wearing the jersey or wearing the t shirt or talking to kids or or whatever it may be. Uh, and, and that's what we're really, really going to try to do and make one of our main pillars. Well, you know, I, I know that you were a UNLV Re- Re- Rebel fan before you came here, a runner-up fan. I, t- I heard you with an interview with Ron Fruttell earlier in the week say that when you, you were out in the driveway pretending you were Greg Anthony and Anderson Hunt. And being from Detroit, I graduated from Michigan State, but I've been here since 04. And I'll show you my shirt right now if you see this. <laughs> I saw my that. Son, I saw it. You see it? My son bought this for me this past Christmas because I've adopted UNLV as my second school, and I love it here as well. I'm a huge fan. And the one thing, you know, that I, that I want to close with, and i got to give Spencer, who's a UNLV graduate, our intern, one at least a chance to ask you one question. But before I do that, the Thomas and Mac has been less than a shadow of what it once was as far as attendance goes. What can Kevin Kruger do to once again pack the Mac? Well, obviously, we, I, I mean, I can't cure COVID. But uh, so, you know, we had zero there last year for the most part. But I I just as I've mentioned before to other people, I think this is a town that knows and understands basketball. Um, it's, it's in the fabric of the city and how it's grown and, and with your shirt, you know, with Tark and what he did. And and they appreciate even just the the the, the appreciation from the players of playing whether it's diving on the floor, uh, you know, getting the crowd going, uh, you know, making hustle plays. You can go places and sometimes they just cheer for the dunks and the threes, but that, that's not how things are here in Vegas. So I just really think if we can, if we can play that way and, and play where the city takes pride in, because the city's always kind of had a chip on its shoulder. You know, the, the UNLV fans have always kind of had an edge. And I think uh, that's what we want to do as players. I think, uh, you know, the, the better teams you play on just never feel like they've arrived. And they, they always have that edge, that chip on their shoulder. And I, I think that, that we can put a team out there that the city will be proud and happy to root for and easy to root for because they see that they're unselfish, they're playing for each other, and, and they're playing for UNLV really at the end of the day. Uh, coach, yeah, Spencer the Wiz here, uh, intern with the show. But uh, we know about you as the coach now, but I actually did some digging last night, and I have a couple of questions about your playing career. I saw when you were at Arizona State your junior year, in 28 games, you averaged 38 or 39 minutes per game. I mean, you didn't go out. What's, is there a story behind that? How come you didn't get any time of rest? Um, I, I don't know. I think Coach Evans and I just had a, had a good thing going. And, um, you know, I probably wasn't the easiest person to take out. I, I, had, I did have a little bit of a, you know, <laughs> a want to be out there. So, uh um, no, I, I don't know about that. I, I think you'd have to ask Coach Evans, but it, uh, my time with him was, was invaluable. Never forget it. Owe him, owe him so much, uh, as much as anything, the opportunity to go play at ASU and, and really just love being out there and playing. That's a really impressive run. I, I've also gone a little deeper, and I'm actually going to play a video for you. I, I wonder if you re- remember this, and I'll talk to you a bit after you see it. We're headed to OT. In OT, Kevin Kruger nails a three from the corner to put the flash up four. He was five of seven from beyond the arc. Ernest Scott seemed to have an answer, though, for Kruger every time as he hits back-to-back threes here to keep the Vipers close. Scott knocked down six of his 12 threes. Kruger, though, one more time, 
putting the flash up five, and there would be no more answers as Kruger's 32 points and eight assists led the flash to the 143 to 137 overtime victory. Uh, yeah, so this will be my last question. I wanted to ask you about your time in Belgium, but uh, I'm actually curious to get your opinion on just the development of the D League or the G League now. Is it that guys are actually getting signed? I'm curious, back in your day, how often was it like that your teammates or players that you knew around the league actually had a chance to actually make main rosters in the NBA? Yeah, it was probably a little more rare back then. And the roster, uh, you know, the way the roster is shaped up now in the NBA is a little more... Uh, a little more open to that availability because yeah when I was in the in the D League it was it was very hard to get there and not many guys went up and came back and uh, but a lot of the guys that were on our on the teams I played on you know Orion Green Ron Dupree um, Tony Gaffney you know you can really go down the uh, Millsap in LA and uh, Jamario Moon who I still t still talk to to this day you know th it's a place where there was a lot of NBA players. And uh, but yeah, I mean, the, the growth and the boom of the of the G League now is I think it's great. I think it's great. It gives the guys an opportunity that aren't as interested in going the college route to go and and play with guys uh, that are right there on the NBA doorstep. And some of those guys are in the NBA. But uh, I see that score. I'm sure we all slept pretty well after that after that game. I don't remember it specifically, but anytime you played Rio Grande, you did know that <laughs> you were going to be in a track. Uh, he is, again, uh, the brand-new coach of the Running Rebels here, Kevin Kruger. Uh, we greatly appreciate you taking the time. I know this has been a heck of a week for you, all kinds of interviews, and uh, and hopefully it's tailing off for you soon so you can get back to what you do best, and that's coaching basketball right now. But, again, thank you so much, and I'm sure we'll be talking in the near future. No, thank you, guys, and good luck with uh... – is it, is it grandson, granddaughter? It's a grand, yes, it, it is a grandson. I'm not even going to say the name on the air because you okay. know nowadays there's no more normal names anymore. So my daughter came up with some funky name. I said I'm going to call the baby Babe Ruth. I mean, there you go. There you go. <laughs> but uh, we appreciate you, Kevin. Thank no, you so much. Good luck with that. Good luck with that. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you. All right, there, Kevin Crew. What a, what a great guy, and I wish him nothing but all the success in the world. And again, how cool, Spencer, to have a mentor like your father, who is nothing short of a Hall of Fame coach. The guy has taken a few different universities to the Sweet 16, to the NCAA tournament. Um, great success there. And again, Kevin, a hell of a player himself. And you saw it when he was playing here in his final year of collegiate basketball. He was able to have one year of eligibility left. Of course, he graduated from uh, Arizona State, and he, and he came here as a graduate transfer. Um, he led this team. He was the point guard. He was the leader of that team, and they went to the Sweet 16 in his one and only year. And that's the last year UNLV has had any success. So hopefully that will resonate into a good career. I don't know that I've wished a guy more success than I wish this guy because what a good fit he is here. And, again, it'll be cool to see Lon Kruger sitting in the stands in any capacity um, for UNLV. So I'm highly impressed with the interview. I give this guy, uh, wish him all the luck in the world, and hopefully we can see this thing turned around because it would be really nice to have another shirt like this that's a lot more modern, not one that was constructed years and years ago that barely fits. But uh, I thank my son again, Jake. I love this shirt. I, I don't wear it too often, but uh, I, fit, I felt today was kind of fitting. Oh, and uh, I think the whole city will be rallying behind him as well. And, and the great thing about it is I was going to ask him about his days in Belgium. He won a championship that one year he was with the team, and he actually played with Justin Holiday, who's on the Indian. like 31 points in the championship game. Absolutely. And, yeah, in overtime. So, I mean, this it's not a guy who has no idea. And he also brought you on to the Sweet 16, which – who knows? I mean, that was—I don't know if that was the last time that ever happened. But he knows about success. He wants the team to be, and uh, you know, he actually talked about UNLV how special it was to him, and that's important too. When someone comes here, everyone was clamoring to names like Stacy Ogman as soon as TJ left because everyone wants to remember those old times. But he was a part of the recently good times—the time where the school is looking to develop to get away from just being the running rebels. But I think that. We as a city have just clamored to that a little too much of this old, old ways. But, you know, it's modern times. You have the game changes a little bit. And I think he's going to bring a lot of that to UNLV. And I'll be absolutely rooting for him 100%. I'm all the way behind him. I really like your positivity for you. It's the first I've heard forever. And, you know, as far as Plastic Man, the nickname of Stacey Ogman goes, I really like Stacey Ogman. As a player, he was exceptional, a t very talented player, a big part of the runs that UNLV made. But 
when he when when Coach Dave Rice got fired and Todd Simon got elevated to interim head coach that year, Stacy Ogman really came out and spoke negatively about how he was overlooked and all. And I'm not going to say that he wasn't or he didn't have a valid argument. Although Todd Simon had been a coach at Finley Prep and we're seeing the success Todd Simon's had in Southern Utah, he's going to end up at like Central Michigan or somebody this year, someplace this year, and very deservedly so. A very good motivational coach. But I thought it was really, I just didn't like when Stacy Ogman came out and did it that way publicly in the media and and so he left a negative taste in UNLV's mouth I knew he was never going to get the job the odds on him getting it were very high simply because you just can't go out that way if you're going to have a statement you do that privately behind closed doors not outwardly that him and his wife expressed his dis disappointment in not getting the interim job when Dave Rice was let go. And the way Dave Rice was let go in that all was such, it was such a bad taste anyways, to just leave it alone. And Todd Simon did the best he could do. And uh, it's been nice to see his success in Southern Utah. And I wish him continued success. Spencer, we got a few more minutes left in the show and probably want to get back to the NCAA tournament in today's games. Um, like I said, the big 10, one team left representing the big 10. And most people felt the big 10 was probably the best conference overall going into this tournament. You know, you had two number one seeds in Michigan and Illinois. Illinois gets bumped in the second round, which was just, I think, a shocker to all of us. And then, you know, to see Illinois-Chicago, who beat them, go out, you know, go out to a 12th seed in the next round. So what a disappointment. The Big Ten, it's funny, the one representative, unfortunately, Michigan would have an opportunity to go deep into the Final Four. But Isaiah Livers, their fifth-year senior, really the leader of that team, not being part of it, really hampers them and Florida State I still think Michigan's going to find a way to get by Florida State. I don't think Florida State is going to be the nemesis of Michigan. I think it's going to be Alabama in the next round if Alabama of course wins today. But um you know the Big 10 man what a disappointment. You know, I get it to some degree of course. I mean, you to have that many teams to come in and then just to lose out and only have one team left. But you know, let's be honest, a lot of those teams that were in the tournament, we had no no one had aspirations for them being in the Sweet 16 anyways. It's just weird to see it at such a volume. But to talk about the game uh, with Michigan here, I don't think there's been a large stretch of games where Florida State has, uh, you know, dominated. They're very inconsistent of a team, and I, I really do believe that Michigan will have a good handle of it. Michigan has done a good well to a cover-up for the loss of their player, Isaiah. And, I, yeah, I, anything can happen. Of course, this is March Madness. Himself with. I think he has a great staff over there, and I like him moving forward. No, I do too. I, Ron Howard has really impressed me. You know, I, I think that Michigan really was kind of in a little bit of upheaval. They had such a good coach prior to, uh, you know, him going to the pro, and uh, John Beeline was, uh, was really something special, and Michigan really hasn't been the same, and Jawan Howard has kind of restored them to prominence, and it would be nice to see him have success as a head coach and get this team to the Elite Eight. Um, but, you know, other, other, other schools, obviously Gonzaga is, is playing today. They have not lost a game all year. This is a this is probably maybe Mark Few's best team ever at Gonzaga, and um, I don't know how they get beat, Spencer. You know, at first I thought, well, they don't play in a real good conference. You know, I mean, although St. Mary's every year gives them some trouble, but, you know, BYU, I mean, you saw them go out early. Well, you saw UCLA beat BYU, and although UCLA still in the tournament, but Gonzaga looks a little bit like a juggernaut as a number one seed there. And Baylor on the other side, you want to talk about a swarming defense. My God, they just literally collapse and shut you down. And that is going to be a real tough out as well. You know, Arkansas gets behind 10 points to Baylor. Let me tell you something. Eric, you better stay with that team. You get behind 10 points to the Baylor Bears, you are losing. And by probably 35 points, I mean, that is a really good team as well. And I'm starting to see those two teams line up to be our national championship game. Yeah, and uh, there's been a ton of upsets this season. Obviously, that's kind of been the big storyline of March Madness, which we all love. But those teams together, I think they might benefit the most from these little teams squeaking by because we all know that they weren't the best teams entering the tournament, but Gonzaga and Baylor sure are. Uh, Creighton's going to be a great matchup for them today. We all know they can get hot offensively. Creighton is a road bump. They're going to lose by – they're going to lose. <laughs> I think Creighton is going to lose by um, – I'll say 19 points. 19 points. That's a little yeah, – ex- I think the line is like seven, so you better go run to the books after this. I think what Creighton's going to end up trying to do is, is run and run with Gonzaga, but we all know that there's no team that can have the pace that they have. Uh, so 
I think this matchup moving up, I don't know, I guess Oregon would probably be their biggest kind of scare, but who, how great would it be to see a Baylor-Gonzaga matchup? How, also, it's just rare to see two of the best teams in the country face each other, but with so many of these teams falling off, although I will say Houston is my favorite team in the tournament left so far. We want to that go, going going into that uh, matchup like Houston oh, had right right Syracuse everyone was like Syracuse has that zone defense they're gonna they're gonna scare them Syracuse no Houston but Houston is a very highly active yeah. team zone or not man Houston knows how to play real like defense at the fundamental level so. I think they can legitimately beat everybody if you can play it like that. Now, when they end up playing Baylor, of course, they probably won't keep them to 15 May field goals. But, you know, it's, it's a lot of great teams left. This is actually a really entertaining March match, which I think is what this whole country needs right now. We're finally recovering from this pandemic a little bit. We're getting back to normal. And I think this really is kicking it all off. Is and again, I'm going to really quickly and this again, again. Pac-12 could literally have three teams in the Elite Eight if UCLA can find a way to win. I don't think they will. I think the, the slipper comes off from them this week. But you've already got Oregon State, who has been on one of the greatest runs in the country. They are truly Cinderella. They have won six straight games, everyone being an elimination game, going back to the Pac-12 tournament because they had to win that just to get into this tournament as a 12 seed. And here they are in the Elite Eight. And of course, you got Oregon playing USC. One of those teams is going to win so you at least have two pack 12 teams possibly three in the elite eight that is extremely impressive and i like that a lot one thing i want to close before i go talk about underrated jimmy Bayheim, a sweet 16 team no one expected that team to do this well this year and jimmy Bayheim, by the way is the third winningest ncaa tournament coach in history why is he not talked about more as one of the greatest coaches of all time? It's a crime. Jimmy Beheim is amazing, and it dates back to 1985 when he made a statement before the NCAA tournament when St. John's and Georgetown played each other. Georgetown had lost one game all year. It was to St. John's with Chris Mullen, Walter Berry, Bill Wellington, and you know what he said? He said, St. John's can't beat Georgetown, but Villanova can. Who even knew those two would Villanova would get that far? They were an eight or nine seed. And uh, what he said happened. This guy is a great basketball mind. Start giving him some tremendous credit as one of the greatest of all time. Hey, we're out of time. I'm Brian Feldman. E. Spencer. I want to thank Kevin Kruger so much and Demond Cotton back in the studio. We will be back next week. Mike McKenna will be on the broadcast member of the Vegas Gold Knights. Pretty cool. We'll see you then. Bye-bye. <laughs>